good aloha and we are live again for another incredible dose of positivity and i am so excited you're all here joining me on the live or if you're tuning into the replay welcome welcome this is a place where we bring positivity forward and we are stewards of the land humanitarians solutionists and welcome welcome and i have the greatest privilege um, every week to interview these passionate change makers, thought leaders, social and environmental innovators, and wellness practitioners. And today is no exception. I have with me in the house Dr. Michael Olmsted, like Homestead, but Olmsted. And we are here today to talk about how oral health can prevent systemic disease. This is like whoa and and i know a lot of you who are on and probably listening to the replay know that the last three years i have gone through dental health so i have lots of questions for dr mike that's what we go by here and um he is filling in dr beverly yates i know some people might be here because uh, we were promoting her event she had an emergency and couldn't come on and i was wanting to interview dr mike and he was free and i am so blessed and honored and thank you so much being here and just a reminder to everybody who's on live and and um, to the replay people this is a live broadcast so we encourage people when you are here live to ask questions get motivated get inspired send kudos or whatever uh, you are inclined to do and while um, we're waiting I see more people are coming to the room um, each and every week I share something from uh, one of my books and today I'm going to be reading a very short passage from Living Like the Future Matters about my dental entrepreneur, which leads right into what we're going to be talking about with Dr. Mike. And I know some of you are curious by now what is in her hair. And I'm going to take you guys out into the garden afterwards and see, show you one of these growing on my bush. This, if, you, if you'd like, um, this is called a Cosmos Hibiscus, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And as you know, um, I am a nature therapist and um, holistic health practitioner, and I'm always trying to remind myself with prompts to bring things to talk about, bringing some nature to share with you. Um, so I'm so grateful that you're here, and I am going to start with this short passage in my book about... It's a one fall in the morning. <laughs> Whoa, wow. That was... You guys got that. Someone's someone's doing a, a, a little song and dance here. Okay. Um, and this is a really interesting uh, quote I'm going to read by Plato, okay? Because a lot of us who are in this dental hell right now um, and who are dealing with systemic diseases are dealing with malpractice that dentists did in my father's era. And he didn't even know what he was doing was wrong. And that's why um, we're having this talk today to undo what's done, right? Um, and also to focus on the positive things that were done. So business 101, this is in my first cycle in the seedling. Um, do not train a child to learn by force or harshness, but direct them to be to, to it by what amuses their minds so that you may be better able to discover with accuracy the peculiar bent of the genius of each wow plato 
And my dad at the time, he thought he was a genius, and I'm just going to read this little bit and we'll, we'll move on. So I was exposed to the world of dentistry by my ambitious father, who left a positive impression on me. His career was all about helping people so they could eat and smile with confidence. Mm, you guys, I'm getting my crowns in two weeks, so I'm showing it off. <laughs> like his father, my dad was a dental entrepreneur, making changes in conventional dentistry, which he thought was for the better. This was in a controversial era. era. He started his dental practice in New York City in 1954, post the Great Depression. His office was a 20-minute commute from our comfortable home that sat on a half acre of manicured emerald green grass sprinkled with an array of ornamental plants and one token apple tree. Even though we lived in the Garden State, it was more important to display a beautiful lawn so our neighbors, to our neighbors than to boast a bounty of healthy vegetables. I never saw one vegetable garden in my entire neighborhood, nor in my friends' neighborhoods, until I planted one. Hmm, hence, poor systemic health problems, right? New York was a major hub for business growth, and the suburbs sprawled as the city, as the city evolved. Dealing with traffic became an accepted evil. After years of commuting, my entrepreneurial dental father had the foresight to remodel our overbuilt three-story house and convert parts of the basement into a dental practice. To work from one's home was a new concept in those days. Giving up his New York office made financial sense, although. He, never, he saved money on gasoline and he gained more free time without his former need to com commute. And he got a tax deduction on the house. One third of the house was used for business. But the biggest bonus was that we had more family time. Many of his New York patients faithfully continued to see him, even if it meant taking a taxi to New Jersey office. With the surge of processed sugary foods infiltrating the marketplace, tooth decay escalated, including mine. My dad's practice grew proportionately. With his patients could, when his patients could not afford to pay, dad never denied him. He would discount the cost or set up a payment plan. New York had a lot of talented starving artists and most of the artwork in the home, dad traded for crowns and bridges. I'm just gonna skip and just read this last paragraph. But you guys, this is a really cool story. It's on page uh, 30 in, in Living on Future Methods. I know a lot of you already have the book. So, um, as I grew up, I wondered why humans had strayed so far from the understanding as of food as medicine and why there were big pharma pharmacies in our food I learned that what I put in and on my body mattered. I came to realize that most of what I purchased or used had a negative consequences for both people and the planet. This was an affront to my soul. My anger rose as developers leveled forests, paid paradise, put in parking lots, box stores, and shopping malls in the name of progress. My appetite for change would become ravenish. 
I would come to appreciate that food is sacred, not a commodity, that life is a blessing, not a chore, and that the earth is my home, not a resource. People in my generation and those to come are paying for the shortcomings of what was in. Wow. And now we have beautiful people like who I'm about to introduce you to and many of the other guests we've had on the show um, who are helping to turn things around. And I am so grateful that you are here, Michael. So without further ado, I am going to introduce Dr. Michael Olmsted. And you guys, he has been a professional involved in the healthcare for over 50 years. So come with your questions, your concerns, your comments, okay? Because you have an opportunity to learn a whole lot in this hour. Um, he has an additional background in anatomy and physiology, neuroanatomy, uh, histology, microbiology, embryobiology, biochemistry, organic and inorganic chemistry, and physics. He also has a strong understanding of alternative health modalities, including his certification in the Maharaji Ayurvedic Cranial Sacred uh, Sacral Therapy. This is a branch, happens to be a branch of osteopath, if you guys aren't familiar with that. Um, and Maharaji uh, Marma Therapies, which he's going to explain. He holds a doctor of dentist, dental surgery degree with honors, and he has completed hundreds of hours of continuing education development courses. He's licensed to practice in New Zealand, California, Iowa, Iowa, and the Pacific Islands. Aren't we lucky? I'm here in the Pacific Islands. And is, el is eligible by credentials in 46 U.S. states. He is a faculty member of the Ayurveda and International Medicine Program, and he is active at the Maharaji International University as a clinical instructor in the dental program at, and at Indian Hills Community College. He's currently a full-time facilitator and accredited university teacher of anatomy and physiology in, in doing telemedicine, dentistry, and, and systemic health in the PhD fellowship, master's, bachelor program, etc. He also serves as the main clinical instructor in an accredited dental hygiene program. And I am so honored to have you here, uh, Dr. Mike. Thank you so much for being here. We're going to put his link uh, in the chat so you guys can find out more about him. But before we get too deep into how uh, our oral health affects our systemic uh, overall health and well-being, Mike, please tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into not only dentistry, but this bio-compatible um, dentistry and, and on top of it, transcendental meditation and Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, well, it's wonderful to be with everybody. Uh, I sound like a pretty great guy, don't I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, the introduction's it. I'm not saying anything else. I'm just going to leave. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are, though. Uh, so basically, uh, I started with an interest in um, at a young age tearing things apart. I didn't know how to put them back together, but I'd get all these spare clocks and I'd fiddle with them. And when I was in high school, I tried, I went into a medical direction and then I went into veterinary direction and then I realized um, 
maybe dentistry i didn't have to get up at night because that was way back in the day when you know you delivered babies general medicine was there weren't a lot of subspecialties i didn't want to get up in the middle of the night and so um, i wandered into pre-med pre-dental pre-veterinary and just took the dental track and got accepted at usc in in la california which was my first choice um, and four other colleges but i chose that one because it was the, i liked their football team and their basketball team so i chose that one and uh, so that's how i got into into that now biocompatible dentistry after i'd practiced for about 15 years i got exposed to um, some people that were talking about the dangers of fluoride and the dangers of mercury in silver fillings, which is really a misnomer. They're not silver fillings, they're mercury fillings. Mm -hmm. They're only 30% silver, but we'll get into that shortly, I'm sure. And I started reading about it. I started to accumulate the science, not, not testimonials, not editorializations, not hearsay, not an insurance company or a dental society speaking, but the science. And I realized that I was practicing the wrong way. And I turned on a dime and started practicing uh, amalgam, mercury-free dentistry, fluoride-free dentistry. And it grew from there very rapidly and I became quite a popular guy um, and had a booming practice in San Diego uh, and Southern California. And then I went to New Zealand and I continued to practice the same way. and. Uh, and practiced there for 10 years, became a citizen of New Zealand. Um, Mike, so, can I ask you one quick question? Yes. What, what, what year was that? And were, I, I'm just curious, like, were people thinking you were woo-woo and all of that? Oh, I was, I got into it just at, towards the end of 1980, 88-89. And uh, from there, I just never looked back. I never did another amalgam filling. I didn't ever use fluoride. I was selective about the kinds of composites, white fillings that I used. So that was the time frame. I, I sort of discontinued full-time clinical practice, even though I teach in a dental uh, college, but seeing clients and doing the clinical aspect probably in 2010 or 11, um, other than my teaching capacity. But I mean, were people, were people, um... I guess the people who came to you were really excited, but I think a lot of people at that time, even like including me, like I was thinking, well, I had all these amalgams in my mouth. My dad put them in, you know, people were not taking this seriously back then. Did you notice that? Uh, well, it's always been to some significant extent, a polarized situation, mostly polarized by media and polarized by the dental associations and like that and dental colleges and insurance companies for largely legal reasons, not scientific reasons mm -hmm. and saying that there wasn't any alternative and, you know, fair enough back, you know, in the, up until maybe 1940, maybe, maybe 60, there wasn't really any significant alternatives except gold and most people couldn't afford that. But the reality was that in the, mid to late 1980s, um, there was a sea change, as they say, and, and people were really learning a lot. They were, there was a bunch of people in, in my generation who were activists, 
you know, and probably you all were part of that generation as well. And so they were, they were looking for people who would meet the needs without causing toxicity in the body. And so, yeah, there was, you, you got a little bit of backlash from, you know, other practitioners, but I was never daunted by that at all. I was always kind of a belligerent person. So, <laughs> so yeah. it was easy for me just to say, I'm going to do it this way and just stay out of my way and I'll stay out of your way. You know, well, you talk about amalgams and fluoride specifically here. What, what are some of the systemic um, problems um, that people might not even be aware of, of chronic illness or problems that they're having that comes from um, just those two things alone? Well, first of all, the amalgam filling, we have to look at the composition. An amalgam is anything that's mixed with mercury. And you can mix gallium and silver and zinc and copper. And so with an amalgam filling, it's 50% mercury by weight and 30% silver and the rest is copper, tin and zinc. Mm -hmm. And when you look at it in the mouth, it looks kind of silvery until it corrodes because silver, of course, corrodes and becomes a silver oxide. And so that mercury, we used to listen to people say that it was locked in the filling. Somehow that mercury wasn't available to migrate into various parts of the body. Well, of course, that was nonsense at the time and research very early on in the 1950s, um, sort of starting at the Karolinski Institute in, um, in Sweden, which is a very progressive area, uh, showed that no, it does migrate. Uh, if we have hot foods, if we have foods that are abrasive, if we chew gum, if we chew ice, if we eat a lot of nuts and seeds, all the good stuff, you know, that causes friction it's the mercury is released as a vapor it can also be pieces of it wear away and you ingest it but that's pretty innocuous it passes right out of the system uh, or it could be absorbed osmotically into the tooth root and then migrate into the bone so what are some of the conditions that it can cause well it's a very potent neurological toxin and how much is in a filling well if you follow the um, uh, EPA and the uh, uh, and NIOSH and those organizations, uh, an average one average size amalgam filling contains about 550, 580 milligrams, 560 milligrams of mercury. That's enough mercury to exceed the EPA's uh, maximum exposure to mercury for over a hundred years for a human. Mm. Now, it doesn't all get released at once, fortunately, but it does get released over time. The half-life of it in the body is anywhere between 20 and 50 years. So if you've got a milligram of mercury in your body, half of it will go away in, say, an average of 30 years, but the other half is still there. So it hangs around. It's a potent neurological toxin. It's been impl implicated in uh, multiple sclerosis and other neurological conditions, demyelinization conditions. If you want to mimic multiple sclerosis in a test animal, for example, a, a mouse or a rat, you feed them um, mercury and that mimics a demyelinization condition. And then you test all of your pharma, pharmacopoeia on them. So it accumulates in the kidneys, it can reduce kidney function. Um, 
Yeah, a lot of different things. It, a very strong inhibitor of immune system function and re, re, reduces T cell levels dramatically. This is all science. I haven't said one thing that isn't scientifically based. Wow, this is so interesting when we think about entering the COVID era and all those things that you're saying, you know, especially affecting the immune system, like all this poor dentistry and people like just making people more susceptible to chronic, chronic, any kind of chronic illness. Um, has it been any of this been linked to uh, cancer, carcinogenic or, or the fluoride? What about the fluorides? Yeah, well, fluoride, let's touch on that very quickly. Fluoride is another substance that's cumulative in the body. If you remember your high school chemistry, you, you remember you had the periodic chart of elements, right? And you had uh, the noble metals, the gold and the silver and platinum and all that and palladium. And then you had the halogens, uh, bromine, chlorine, iodine, fluoride. If you talk to a chemist uh, or anybody with really any knowledge of of Mendelssohn's periodic chart of elements, fluorine is one of the most biologically active, and chemically active uh, chemicals known to man. So it doesn't just float around in the body and then go away. It ends up reacting, for example, with the bone and forms calcium fluoride in the bone. And there was a study conducted uh, uh, by the New Jersey Department of Health on young boys that were exposed to fluoridated water. And they found that they had a much higher incidence of osteosarcoma, bone cancer. Interesting. Uh, it's been Im implicated with ADD, ADHD, uh, depresses the immune system dramatically, has a half-life in the body of almost forever. And uh, a person would say, oh, well, you know, it's just little bits. Same thing with statements about the amalgam film, these little bits. Well, if I have a bucket in my kitchen and I have one drop that drops every minute or so, I get up in the morning, probably that bucket's half full anyway. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, these things are, are significant issues and, and they just add to our body's burden of toxic exposure. How did they get away with putting fluoride in not only our water, but our tooth, fluoride, fluoride, fluoride in our toothpaste? I mean, most people, I mean, go look in your medicine cabinet or over your toothpaste and check, is there fluoride in it? And chances are, if you're not, if you don't have this knowledge, you've got fluoride in, in your toothpaste. Let's give a perspective about that very, very quickly. And then we'll talk a little bit about uh, cancer and, and, and uh, oral health very briefly. Uh, this isn't all negative. This is information. This existed before you heard it. Mm -hmm. So don't go down with the ship with me, okay? Stay on board. And, and, and just hang in there because there's good news. Basically, you have control over all of it. Yeah. Like one of my uh, neurologist buddies gave a lecture. He looked at the audience and he said, who's in charge? You're in charge. That's the good news. You don't have to be a victim here. And there's ways you can relieve yourself of the burden of some of these things. So basically, uh, these things have been used because nobody stood up and said, hey, wait a minute. And they've been used and justified and rationalized for years. Uh, but fluoride, for example, uh, an average tube of toothpaste contains about 500 parts per million fluoride. If you, if you took the whole tube and just squeezed it into your mouth. Uh, fluoride treatments are maybe 5,000 parts per million in a fluoridated prescription toothpaste. 
Uh, fluoride treatments are much higher than that. Uh, the optimal level of fluoride in a water supply is one part per million, and that's even too much. So if you have toothpaste and you do a study on children, and we've all done it, it's time for dinner or you're brushing your teeth, it tastes pretty cool, and so you don't rinse out very much you swallow, as a child. So three to six year olds uh, swallow about 60% of the toothpaste that they use. Mm. And if there's 500 parts per million, well, you get the picture. They're exposed to a massive amount of fluoride. It's in sodas, it's in bottled water, it's in our water supply, it's in food, uh, school fluoride treatments, dental fluoride treatments, fluoridated vitamins, it just goes on and on. So we're overly exposed to something that's not good for us. Yeah, wow. Somebody's asking, um, are there recommended toothpaste brands? What recommended toothpaste brands do you recommend? Well, I, I, I developed and patented a, a fluoridated, not a fluoride, but a non-fluoridated toothpaste. Um, I didn't ever go to production with it because I was too busy with other, other things. Yeah. But it's still patented and you can see it in the USPTO, US Patent Trademark Office. Uh, and so you want to first have something that doesn't do any harm, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? You don't want anything with sodium lauryl sulfate or sodium laureth sulfate. They're foaming agents that cause aptos ulcers, those sores we get, we call them canker sores. Uh, they dry, the, they desiccate the oral tissues out and make it less resistant to all kinds of problems. Uh, you secondly would like to have something that ideally has therapeutic levels of ingredients. So you want to have enough of a concentration of a substance in there that it actually does something, kills bacteria, for example. Yeah. Uh, and so, and then, and it's reasonably inexpensive and it's available. So I, I like Dr. Bonner's project products. I, I, I knew him and, and it's a really great man. He has a toothpaste line. It's available. It's inexpensive. It's organic. Mm. It doesn't have any bad stuff in it. And it's, it's therapeutic almost in many of its ingredient levels and so i just use that just because it's always available when i need it if i if i had a dental problem i'd probably think of getting something that was more aggressive but uh, it suits most people's needs yeah um someone's also mentioning um you know i i you're you're an ayurvedic practitioner and they someone's using ayurvedic um toothpaste and i use one called david's it doesn't have it's really good. I should, I, I'd get up and when I'm hosting this show, show you guys, but, um, yeah, so you, we could put that in the, in the chat there, Dr. Bronner's, um, uh, toothpaste. I don't and, make anything up of any of these suggestions, you know, at all. Yeah. I never, never want to, you know, but that's just what I use. And I figure if I use it, that's a little bit of an endorsement of value, but there's a lot of products out there. If you're just a label reader, um, and stay away from foaming agents, stay away from, uh, uh oh is that me who's um, it's, it's a good and not anything that's very uh uh, uh very abrasive you yeah stay away from abrasive products that's really good robin i see you're raising your hand but since this is a presentation live um can you put the comment in 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 there and then at the end we'll we'll get to everything but if you can put it in there we'll 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 get to it sooner 
that would be great. And there's the Dr. Bronner's link in there for you guys. Um, yeah, I think it, the, the, the products, this is really, really great recommendations because I think so many people are so confused on this, on this issue. And we, we're talking about systemic health issues and our oral health. And considering Dr. Vates uh, uh, was going to be talking about diabetes and some people are concerned about cancer, I, I'd love for you to touch on both of those things in regards to our oral health um, and how uh, just the indicators and things that we can do besides our toothpaste and um, getting rid of our fillings and things like that. I'll go over a whole uh, regimen uh, at the very end of products and how you use them as much as I can show you, you know, on a video uh, for a, a standard home care program. And uh, awesome. so we can do that. But uh, systemic, oral systemic conditions, the connection between oral health and systemic health. Again, something that's relatively recent. It started back probably oh mid 80s people were doing research and one of the first bits of research that came along was um, there was a microorganism uh, that was uh, found in amniotic fluid mm -hmm. female amniotic fluid human amniotic fluid which is a fluid of course that surrounds the fetus and uh, it was called p gingivalis i think but uh, so what that course tells you where it came from, came from the oral cavity. Well, it begs the question, how to get there? What's it doing there? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not normal to have that, you know, it's like pretty scary. And so that just started a, a, a tsunami, literally, that hasn't even slowed down and it shouldn't slow down of the connection between oral health and overall health. Now we talked about sort of the mechanical component, which is products fluoride, um, amalgams, blah, blah, uh, anesthetics, which I can talk about too, a little bit local anesthetics if we have the time. Uh, but there is also a lot of studies that have shown not causation. So if you read research, there's causation, there's association. Causation means if I put this little mark with this ballpoint pen on my cheek, I'm going to get cancer. That's causation. This caused that. Association means if you have a certain situation, if you have a certain condition, gum disease, let's say, because we're going to talk about that in just a sec, and, and you have a higher statistical significance of getting other conditions, completely unrelated. When we look at gum disease, which anywhere between 65 and 80% of adults in the United States of America hopefully a fairly progressive uh, country with health, uh, have some aspect of gum disease. And it's either, uh, it, let's say if it was, it was moderate, you know, middle of the road, you've got, and these are daunting statistics. I didn't make these up. You can look them up. They're all research, multiple studies on all of these. Uh, you have a 47% greater chance of having um, pancreatic cancer well it's usually fatal i had two close friends pass away from it dentists you have a 17 and a half percent greater chance of breast cancer 
you've got a 700%, that's seven times, 700% greater chance of an APL, abnormal pregnancy outcome, which is usually a preterm birth, uh, abnormal birth weight child. Uh, and those are on the rise, by the way. So that's a, that's a daunting statistic. 200% greater chance of a stroke, 400% greater chance of cardiovascular disease. Pretty heavy duty. Heavy duty, and tell me, to be, repeat, what causes that? What What are you specifically? Okay, so that, of course, that's the next question. Keep turning the pages of the book till you get to the back of the book, right? Yeah. yeah. So you know, you know what's going on. So why does this happen? Well, there are two primary causative factors. There's the microorganism that is in here that causes mm -hmm. gum disease, which is very pathogenic, that we either inhale and get it into our lungs, respiratory disease is elevated, mm -hmm. or we swallow it, or our gums bleed even a slight bit when we brush our teeth and that gets it into the circulatory system. And of course, it just goes everywhere in the body. And so that's that's how the microorganisms are found in uh, plaques for people that have passed away with cognitive dysfunction, Alzheimer's, mm -hmm. and yeah. in the plaques that are in our blood vessels and our coronary vessels, we find these oral bacteria in the kidneys and so forth and so on, the pancreas, tumor lesions. And the other thing is that there's so many here yeah. and they migrate to various areas in the body that they're, they're not supposed to be in the other areas of the body. So if something is in the body someplace and it shouldn't be there, or it should be there, but it's in, in ultra high levels, we'll talk about that just in a moment, like carbohydrates, then it's treated by the body as a foreign object. That's all you got to know. So if you have bacteria that shouldn't really be here, they certainly shouldn't be in my lungs, then that's going to create a inflammatory reaction to try to wall them off and get rid of them. Wow. So now we've got migration of microorganisms, cause one, cause two for the destructive component of oral disease and and these conditions we just highlighted, diabetes being one of them as well, we have, it's causing systemic inflammation. Systemic inflammation is not good. Now you can measure your systemic inflammation by having a, a, CP, a CRP test, C-reactive protein, very inexpensive blood test, and it'll tell you what your level is of, of systemic inflammation. I'd recommend you all have one. Put that in the chat, you guys, CRP blood. Yeah. CLP blood work. Very, well, very well, simple, yeah. very easy. Mm -hmm. Doesn't take up rocket science to read it. There's a range. You're above that range. You got systemic inflammation. Do something about it. And there's a boatload of things you can do without having to take a prescription. But it could be very high and be a representation that you've got an infection somewhere. And you should always look here. Mm -hmm. So that's how gum disease causes cancers and diabetes. It doesn't cause, but it's Virtually it does because it's associated so strongly with every study that's been done. There's been probably thousands and thousands of studies by now. Well, one thing that you said that I think, and somebody was asking about, um, you know, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and you were talking about the plaque in the brain, you know, the plaque on the teeth. I, I mean, just that association right there, that, that just said, said so much right there. So hope that answered our, our Robin, your, your question there. Well, that, that is, um, 
stuff they don't teach you in, in school, right? Maybe our children would brush their teeth, right? Yeah. <laughs> if we, we put it to, a, to, to them like that, but I mean, there's something we can all do to, to do that. Um, one thing that before we get too uh, far into this, like what, what oral, what oral, I know you're going to do something at the end, but um, how, how can we, uh, what steps can we all take today to mitigate anything else happening? I mean, this is urgent, right? This is it's, yeah, it's more than urgent. Virus. I smile about it because it's so absurd that no nobody is doing anything with this. I mean, a few people are obviously. I learned it somehow. Yeah. So somebody came before me and did some work. You know, it's not there's there's a there's a fairly significant cadre of people that that are more knowledgeable and more sophisticated than I am, researchers that know about these things. So it's out there. You can read it yourself. Just go to NCBI. That's the best search engine for research. Right. And you read the abstract and you read the conclusion, forget the boilerplate in between, and you can power through articles. God, you could read 10 and 20 in a night. And it's, it's easy reading. And that's, that's what I do. And then if I find one I really like, well, I really, you know, grind down on it, dial down on it, as they say, and I read more. So this is out there available for everybody. So what would be a good, a good sort of regimen to follow to help ensure protection against the ravages, not just in our mouth orally, but ravages for the rest of our body, health ravages for poor oral health. First thing is you want to uh, buy the following items. You want to buy a ultra soft, not a, not a very soft, not, not a soft. You want to buy an ultra soft toothbrush. I think the best are the 517, the 527, or post-surgical toothbrush. All of those are made by um, gum, G-U-M, you can get them on Amazon. And I just use a post-surgical brush. Many more bristles, soft, 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 soft. Incredibly effective to remove plaque, non-abrasive. The mm. bristles flex a lot, so they get in between the teeth, which is where the gum disease is primarily starting and where most decay occurs, at least 50%. Yeah. So you want to get one of those toothbrushes, buy three or four of them. You're, when you first start with them, you say, gosh, it's like getting a massage on my gums. It's so gentle and soft, but it might not be getting the plaque off. It gets the plaque off. Second thing is you want to buy a metal tongue scraper. Get all this stuff on Amazon. It doesn't cost anything. Metal tongue scraper, about seven bucks. It'll last you for the whole rest of your life, stainless steel. Now you can buy a copper one or a silver one. From Ayurveda perspective, those things will be more antibacterial, but they corrode and they're a little bit more expensive. Stainless steel, I'm good. But if you want to get those, go ahead and do it. Third thing you want to get is a good toothpaste. We talked about that. You know, you just get one that's preferably organic and one that doesn't have any fluoride in it and one that doesn't have any synthetic uh, foaming agents. If it foams up a lot, don't buy it. Mm -hmm. And you don't want anything real abrasive. Yeah. Uh, third thing you want to get is a good dental floss. Now you don't want to have, you don't want to buy dental floss that that is got uh, fluoridated plasticizers on it, like non-stick wear cooking material. You don't want to do that. So you don't want to buy Glide or or all these slide, glide, and all these other names. They're good to make 
parkas to keep you dry. But that stuff, if you've ever seen it and you put it through your teeth and take it out, the stuff that it is not on there was left in your mouth. Not good stuff. So I use a product called Smart Floss. Uh, I love it. I have very tight contacts and, and between my teeth and I'm, I can easily get it through. It doesn't tag. If you ever have a tight contact, saw it back and forth to go in and they just pull it out this way. You don't have to snap it back up. That's usually where people pack it in, right? Saw it so you have control. Don't snap it into the gum tissue. And you want to not take a piece off this long. Get 14, 16 inches. You go through a few teeth, take a little bit of fresh floss and go through like that. And then uh, if you want to get an irrigating device, you can. They are they create a little bit of a delusion that you're getting more value, but it's basically mechanical agitation that removes the plaque, which is a biofilm, just like the film inside of a water pipe. And that's that colonization of that biofilm is what is where all the nasties are, are hiding out. Are Largely carbohydrate driven. Are you talking about a water pick? Because what about a water is this a water pick? Yeah, I wouldn't buy them. I think they're a waste of money and time. Spend your money on something else. If you want an electric toothbrush, uh, probably the best one is the Oral-B Brun and you want to get a very soft head. How often do you replace your toothbrush? Every three months. Go out in the garage, cut the head off, throw it away, dispose of it, take the handle, recycle it. Wow. Right? Man, the water pick, though, gets so much stuff out of my teeth. That's so discouraging. I love my water pick. Well, the other thing you can get is little, little interproximal brushes. They're, gosh, I'd like to show you one here, but I, well, maybe I can. Well, anyway, it, it, you just go and you get these little teeny brushes, and they are little Christmas tree-shaped bristles on the end called proxa brushes or interproximal brushes. You go to, the, go to Walmart. And, and go on to the dental area. And usually on the top shelf, they'll have a little section that's maybe this big with all these different brushes and little ones. And you can use them multiple times. Just put the brush under water and swizzle it like this as the water's running and then set it next to your uh, tongue scraper. Okay, so those are the products. When, what do you do with them? So the first thing you do when you get out of bed in the morning, when I mean first thing, I mean first thing. You don't get up and have a drink of water. You don't pet the dog. You don't go and put toast in the toaster. You don't read the newspaper or listen to the news. You don't do your exercises. You don't meditate. You clean what's built up over the last eight, six to 10 hours. And all you have to do is brush, scrape your tongue a few times and see what you get off of there in the morning and then take it and then say, oh, I'm just gonna swallow that again. You won't do it. It sounds crazy to even think about it. Well, you are swallowing it if you do anything before you brush your teeth. Get out of bed, go to the counter in the bathroom and do your cleaning. Why? Because as soon as you get out of bed, you have an increase of biological activity, heart rate, faster blood pressure, all that stuff, circulatory system. There's an increase in salivary flow. It declines at night. You're going to swallow. As soon as you swallow, all that stuff that built up has gone down the tube and it gets up in your in your intestinal tract and other places. That's one of the sources for these systemic issues we talked about. Once you've scraped your tongue, 
Then you're going to use your little brush that goes between the teeth on both sides if you have a big gap or a space that collects food. Then you floss your teeth. We talked about how to do that. Then you're going to brush your teeth. Don't use some little microscopic, minuscule amount of toothpaste. Put a dollop on there. Have some fun with it. Get several flavors. Enjoy yourself. Right? Don't right. don't try to save money with toothpaste. If there's more than one person in your household, you've got a partner, he or she, or you've got your kids, or everybody gets their own tube. Ooh. Right? So I use the tube, then my wife Stella Vera uses the tube, then the kids use the tube. No. The tube's so contaminated, we're just passing cooties back and forth. And some of those cooties can potentially kill you. And we've already experienced that the last few years. So you have your tube, it's for you. It's for your toothbrush. Now, if you want to clean your toothbrush, you can just soak it in some peroxide. Just take a little container so you don't have to pour out too much peroxide, just the 3% that you buy in the supermarket. Put it, put it in there, stick it in there, and it'll foam everything away. Do that maybe once a week, if something like that. Leave it in for 20, 30 minutes. And then you brush your teeth, little circular motions, bristles half on the gum, half on the tooth. No pressure, time, technique, not pressure. Time, technique, not pressure. It's all technique. Start someplace and end up someplace. I start in the upper right, I go to the upper left. Then I go inside. I just drop down from the left to the roof of my mouth, and I do all the inside. Then I go to the lower right and I do the outsides. And then I go to the inside on the lower left and I go back to the right. It's not as good to brush your tongue, use a scraper. Ayurveda says it, Chinese medicine says it, I say it. So that's, that's everybody, right? That's everybody. <laughs> everybody, it's important. <laughs> so so uh, that's your home care. So when do you do it? First thing out of bed in the morning, last thing at night. So let's say, well, I'm gonna brush my teeth and I like to fall asleep on the couch and then I sleep there. Uh, or I wanna have my hot milk at night. No, wrong, wrong, wrong approach, wrong approach. Brush your teeth, go to bed. That's you do the same routine at night and in the morning. During the day, do you do anything? If you have food that's accumulated, use that little interproximal brush, rinse it off with water, put the cap on, put it in your purse, whatever you do, make sure your hands are clean. Always wash your hands before you do your home care. You know, everybody thinks their hands are clean and everybody else's are dirty. Well, you, you just don't know what's underneath your fingernails and just, just wash your hands and then do your home care, right? And that's it. During the day, just if you have something to eat, take some water, put it in your mouth. I'm just going to show you what to do. Swallow. You're not swallowing anything that you're going to swallow anyway. It's just food particles. So you have to do that twice a day. If you want to brush during the day, that's fine. It's impractical for most people. So that's your home care regimen. Questions? Well, people are, the comments are coming in are, are just phenomenal. And there's some questions here I'd love to get to because we, we could really continue this. Um, I'm really, I'm going to be talking to you, showing you my water pick. One of the things that I wanted to bring up that I think is so interesting is we're always talking about brushing our teeth. And I love how much emphasis you've been putting on the gums. And that is really, I think, um, 
wear, you know, go brush your teeth. Well, maybe it's go care for your gums because the gums is where you're talking about all the systemic health problems are happening. And um, I think that what you just laid out for us is not just brushing your teeth, it's caring for your overall health and how it all starts in the mouth. And one of the people who on here, Robin, was talking about oral health professionals' relationship to viruses and COVID specifically. And you were talking about, you know, passing the viruses, making sure your hands are clean, um, specifically with oral cavities uh, as the first line of defense. And how uh, I think you, you just brought that home there, how, how just important that is. And when we think about what just happened in this most recent pandemic that is rearing its ugly head again and more variants on the way, um, by all of us taking this, what, what Dr. Mike is, is talking about and diligently following this regimen, it is the first line of defense to protect us from any systemic diseases or viruses or bacterial infections starts right here. And one of the things that I was so excited to ask you about, and I think we have time for this and then we're gonna get to a couple of these questions, but I just wanted to talk about the gut microbiome and the microbiome in the mouth. And because there's so much conversation about microbiome and how the the imbalance or the balancing of the the gut flora and, and the mitochondria is. And um, can you just talk a little bit about that? And um, I know what you just said about, um, you know, when you scrape your tongue, you don't want to swallow it in the bacteria, you don't, you don't want to put it back into your system. But um, I'd like to just talk about, um, you mentioned the products, but also our diets on how, uh, how important, and also getting back to Ayurvedic thinking uh, and eating, how them that microbiome it starts in the mouth so what we eat not just affecting our cavities but uh, you know our teeth and our gums so our our, our whole digestive health it starts i say you smell it it starts there right mm. so just 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 tap into that a little bit and and because that has to do with the foods that we eat and um and how that all affects our our whole well-being yeah, uh, there's an old saying, uh, ancient saying, uh, well, sort of ancient, I suppose, probably several thousand years ago. And it said, um, if you don't have good diet and digestion, um, herbs and vitamins won't work. If you have good diet and digestion, you don't need them. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more from the studies. Um, the gastroenterologists are coming out with stuff supporting these kinds of things and the gut biome. Uh, just to give you an idea, many of you, I don't want to talk down to anybody. I don't mean to ignore what you know. I just don't know what you know. So I just tell you, you know, as much as I can tell you in the time allotted. Um, let's get, let's take a snapshot at the gut biome and mm -hmm. let's just see kind of the profundity of what that is just a few little snippets. So let's say uh, we take our clothes off and we stand just buck naked as they say, and somehow somebody that we know has a little a little device and they, go, and they go like this all over our whole body and in our mouths and every place, and they count every cell in our body and they can do it real quick. Let's just imagine that they can do that. Bacteria, everything, 
skin cells, brain cells, red blood cells, all of it. And they come up with numbers and they say, okay, how many cells do we have in the body? Well, the, the number, depending upon what research institute, is somewhere between 60 and 100 trillion. So we're going to say 100 because it's a nice number to make percentages out of. So we're going to say 100 trillion cells. Out of those 100 trillion cells, about 60 trillion of them are bacteria in our gut. And the bulk of the other 40 trillion are red blood cells. And then there's other cells, skin cells and stuff like that. Now, of that 60 trillion bacteria that are in our gut, 60 trillion, 60% of all of our cells in the whole body, we counted with that little special device, um, there's probably an equal number of viruses. Those are facts. I didn't make it up. So basically, when I look at all of you, I say, oh, that's just a big old bundle of bacteria. <laughs> and that's essentially what we are. 80 to 90% of our serotonin, 80 to 90% of our immune system all comes from our gut biome. And if we have dysbiosis, our feel-good hormone, serotonin, has been shot in the leg and our, and our immune system is trashed. And we can do it by having dysbiosis here. We can do it by having the wrong diet. We can do it by any number of, of ways. Uh, but it is a major cause of overall imbalance in the body. So that that's that's the preface, that's the prelude to the movie, you know, of, of how important the gut biome is. Yeah. Well we know we know that what we eat affects our teeth and affects our overall well being. So what what being in um your with your knowledge and, and your study of um everything that you've studied like from the bio which we don't have time to go into but um what 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 do you recommend all of us to eat to improve our gut but microbiome and our oral microbiome yeah i can do that in two minutes uh the first thing is you eat organic foods certified organic and i don't want to hear somebody say oh it costs more costs more than cancer costs more than diabetes costs more than constipation costs more than you name it I'm not saying that your gut biome is responsible for 100% of your health, but it sure as heck is responsible for a lot, and it's responsible for having an impact on a lot more. So it's a key player, you know, it's a key player in this process of developing perfect health or ba health balance. So what we want to do is eat organic number two we want to kind of back off on the carbohydrate deal uh, you want to you our, our mitochondria are designed to produce calories uh, very efficiently from fats good quality fats um, if you eat fish it would be fatty fish um, i like wild caught salmon because i spent a lot of time in alaska uh, homer alaska robin and <laughs> my wife is part of a famous family that has got a show on Discovery Channel called Alaska, The Last Frontier. So I go out there and hang out with all these people. And so I like wild-caught salmon, avocado, uh, uh, pasture-raised butter, 
ghee is really good coconut that's un, coconut oil that's unrefined um, nut butters that are that are good not excluding peanut butter um, those are good quality fats now in 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 if you look at carbohydrates, fats, and protein, and you take one gram of each of those and you burn it, you're gonna get a certain amount of energy. Carbohydrates, you'll get four calories. Protein, you'll get four calories. Fats, you get nine calories. Nine calories. Why? I don't know, figure it out. Maybe we should be using fats as a primary energy source. And maybe because aside benefit of burning fats that are good quality uh, is that your metabolic pathways in your mitochondria produce ketones and ketones are very good within a certain range for cognitive function and a lot of other reasons but there's a lot of other reasons for the values of fat carbohydrates in an, in an excess amount which is primarily what people in this country eat uh, will kill you guaranteed and it'll, it'll be a miserable path on the way to dying. And that's why we have people that are diabetic or pre-diabetic within five more years, well over 50% of the people in this country, and probably close to that right now, will be diabetic. And and you include pre-diabetes, it'll probably be 60 to 70% likely to be diabetic or pre-diabetic. It's not a way to live. And it's largely caused by exhausting the islets of Langerhans by having too much carbohydrate free-flowing in the body that's not able to be taken into through the cell membrane into the mitochondria to be metabolized. We're overwhelming it. I said earlier, if you have something in your body that's in excess where it shouldn't be, even though it's a natural thing, a carbohydrate, your body treats it as a foreign object. Too many vegetable oils rather than uh, uh, olive oil or too many fats, you're going to end up with an increased CRP. You're going to have systemic inflammation. All science, everything I've said, science. And so if we eat more fats, we're probably going to be a lot healthier if they're good fats, not hydrogenated fats, not, you know, margarine and all that nonsense and stuff that's been trans fatty acids. Uh, carbohydrates will, and this is the last thing I'll say on this, carbohydrates will, uh, anyone know what a, A1C is? Mm -hmm. all heard about it. Some of you shaking your head. Yeah, I know what it is. A1C is a measure of uh, advanced glycation end products. Advanced glycation end products. Read about it. Advanced glycation end product is when a carbohydrate in excess in the bloodstream bonds with a fat or a protein. In this case, A1C is where a carbohydrate bonds not with a fat, but a protein. It happens to be the hemoglobin molecule. Right. So carbohydrates will slowly do you in. Yeah. And so once you get advanced glycation end products, you can't digest them. They're sludge, they end up in places and plaque in your body. It's not a good thing. So you, you want to make sure your gut biome is vibrant and vital so that it's functioning properly and doing all the good things for you that it can. Yeah, and all those same foods are the that you're talking about are the foods that give you cavities, sugar, too much white flour, too much snacking and high sodium foods all affecting your gums and um, 
it's the it's a whole system everybody it's the integration of of the whole body we can't be this thinking one one thing and not how it's going to affect the other thing that's the way the world works we're all interconnected you and me by energy and our whole body is one big beautiful system broken down into scientific systems but all of those connect whether it's the endocrine system the digestive system the neurological system all of them are every single one of our of 13 right i think there's 13 major systems in our body they all everything that mike is t talking dr mike is is talking about it affects everything and this whole thing about diabetes is it's mind-boggling and one thing that you said that uh, and i know we're going over but i don't really care if you guys don't come on the line because there's a lot of questions and 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 even i think what we'll do to answer because i know robin you have a lot of things to say and alan we'll just stay on the live stream and um it mike will stay as long as long as you're willing to answer all these because we haven't been able to, you're just loading us up with goodies but one of the things what you, you were saying and, and i think this is just so important because some of you are in the food business who are on this call right now who are entrepreneurs and are guest next week is um an incredible catalyst for change she is from the um the founder of the environment evolutionary business council robin you'll love to meet her and um you know businesses change the world faster than anything since the ice age and it's ethical businesses and business leaders with the moral courage who are going to change things the fastest and when we talk about the the cause of all of this or the problem of all of this this is the greenwashing this is not what you did or what i did this is an economic system that has put us in a torch of flame of inflammation and some of you made some brilliant comments in the trap that I'd like to address, how we've been duped by Crest and all of these other massive corporations that are control, con controlling our soil, our seeds, our food, and most of it are, all of these are owned by pharmaceutical companies. So it's all of our responsibility to take this brilliant information that we've gotten received today, do, do your own homework. And we, we will provide you with more contacts and we're going to put Mike's, uh, Dr. Mike's um, contact information right here in the chat right now so you can um, further a conversation with him if you would, uh, would like. I know a lot of you um, are, are concerned and uh, of like, wow, how do I find a biological dentist? How do I find somebody who I can entrust with my oral hygiene so I don't have these systemic health issues anymore? A lot of that is going to come, and Mike, you were going to, you, we're going to, we'll put that in the chat. You'll say it, and we'll find it and put it in the chat. But we have got to start taking more responsibility for ourselves and start looking at ourselves. And, and now that we, 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 we're handed this golden ticket, this information, who wants to have systemic health problems when they can be avoided? Not one of us. Not one of us on the replay, not one of us on this live chat. So um, one of the things that I would, I would love for you to, to cover, and, 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 and Mike, you can tell us when you have to get off, but um, you'll see in the chat if you take a minute, if you go back there, back through there, see some of the things that you might want to address. Um, and, and then just tell us, you know, you, you said you had like a directory for people where they could, uh, in addition to, to contacting you, there, there 
how they could find someone as knowledgeable or uh, or knowledgeable enough to help people get through their oral health to prevent these. And, and the IAOMT, International Association of Oral Medicine and Technology, right? That's toxicology. Just, yeah, okay, toxicology. Yeah. yeah. And, and someone was, and, and actually, I'm going to invite everybody right now. We're on live. You're, you're live streaming. Anybody who wants, because this is too important for people, because we there are people on the live stream right now. And um, to, to come off mute, um, you got 10, 15, 10 more minutes there, Mike, to answer some of these questions. Thank you so much. So, um, Robin, you had your hand raised. I'd love you to come off mute first, and, and um, let's address some of those important things you put in the chat. Um, thank you, uh, Donna. Thank you, Mike. This is just, it's really great. And it's, I just, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love mean, all of you. <laughs> I mean, li literally, it's, it's just, wonderful. it's so refreshing. But I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I, I've been following this for a while, heard from a dentist years ago, watched some seminar and, and I bought on biomimicry and was just ticked because we never learned this. Yeah. We never, some, I think Donna said that we never learned this in school. We just, it really, it really bothered me. So my question is clearly there's dentists out there continuing to practice the way they are. So could you just give us a little bit of what is the, what are the schools doing? Is it the same stuff? Where, what's the ecosystem of that? And then how are the people getting to the, uh, I never remember the name, but I, 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 OMT. Yeah. How do, how are they getting to that? They are, they're a radically outstanding group, but still a very small percentage of the standard dentists. So can you just give us an idea of the ecosystem? And then really finally, what, what can we do? How can okay. we change this? How can we get rid of them or turn them your direction? How, well, how can we, do we can we can wrap a, a fish in a newspaper and put it on their doorstep, right? Like they do in the mafia. <laughs> no, that's just a joke. Farm We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. So what the ecosystem, the structure of organized dentistry and alternative dentistry for that matter uh, is is very dynamic. It's it's an organic situation more so now than before and like most things that are occurring in change it's people like donna and yourself and, and just each individual that's involved in in health it's the people are demanding the change that's why i said who's in charge you're in charge you're in charge of it all if you decide you don't want to buy campbell's soup they're going to change it because donna called it it's about money fine so hit them in their pocketbook is it is it rapid it can be very rapid so organized dentistry and organized medicine are really at the whim of of and, and dentistry is a little different because it's such a progressive a group of people uh um, really really progressive people generally speaking and always inventing new things in new ways and so that's changing all the time. Educationally, they're teaching dentists in school now how to do non-metal dentistry, how to use porcelains and, 
and zirconia and all these other things. They're teaching them how to do root canals that are far, far less damaging, even though I don't endorse them at all, uh, than they used to be. They're teaching them how to use alternative technologies to disinfect ozone and all this stuff. So it's not as prevalent as we'd like to see it uh, because the other component besides the economics of it is peer pressure. Peer pressure can take the form of organizational pressure or individual peer pressure. You know, oh, Olmsted, yeah, he's a wacko. He, <laughs> he doesn't know what he's talking about. And, and, uh, and maybe it's a psychology of envy, really, that I'm booked up four months in advance and they're not booked up. And, you know, who knows? It doesn't really matter. But people are demanding this, and hence dentists, if they want to be successful and make money and buy a boat and have a wife and kids and you know a partner, they better listen. So I think that there's optimism on the horizon in that regard. In addition, before we talk about alternative dentistry, you have the right to ask a dentist to do a certain thing for you. You have the right, if they're gonna put an amalgam filling in, you have the right to ask them to put in a white filling. And if they say, I won't do it, you vote with your feet. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. Take control, you're in charge. Find somebody who, who will use a rubber dam. So when they take the amalgam filling out, you don't just swallow it all and inhale it all because you pulverize it into micro particles. You know, how many of us have gotten out of the dental chair having had an amalgam filling done and go out to their car and they're picking pieces of that amalgam, which yes. they would normally have swallowed, and then they spit it out and it's gray. We've all done that. It's terrible. It's, it's terrifying. And, and But there are a lot of dentists who will say, sure, I'll do those, but they won't last as long. Fine, I don't care how long they last. But you want to go to somebody when you select somebody. Maybe you really like the person you're seeing. Find out if they will do composite fillings, white tooth shaded fillings. Make sure they do a lot of them. If they're gonna do a crown, make sure that you research them. If you haven't been to that dentist before, call the dental lab. Call somebody who's got a big dental lab. Ask them, who do you, who do you like to do lab work for? Oh, we like to do lab work for James and, and, and Millie. Man, they're so good. You know, that's, they, that's who we see. So you call them up on the phone, you find out if you profile them. Do you guys do amalgams? No, we don't. We only do non-metal dentistry and gold if you want it. And, and so you take control of, of trying to sort through this miasmic mess of who to see. From an alternative perspective, there's a much, much larger group of alternative dentists. When I, when I became an alternative dentist, there was a handful of us, Hal Huggins, myself, Hal, Hal was a pioneer and he's passed and I knew Hal and all these other people. Um, uh, wonderful people It worked really hard with people's health in mind. But now we have these big organizations that have fellowship programs and all these different programs and, and that are training dentists who are conventionally educated to be very, very effective in, in, in this vein, in this way of treating people. So um, I, think there's, I think there's a lot of optimism, you know, it's easy to just talk about the bad, you know, but there's the good there too. Hmm. 
Yeah, well, this, 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 what, what you just said is exactly how I had to be proactive for myself because I'm gonna just share this really quickly because I'm, I'm so, some of you know me. I've, I, I've aged 10 years in the last three because of this dental problem that I have and that's why I am elated to share this information with you. But I had a, a really bummer root canal and I, I, and it led to a, you know, bridge where all, all the stuff, I'm not going to go into it, but I would love to hear before. So everybody who's contemplating a root canal and also the difference, what your take is on root canals. And also your take is on the difference between a titanium and a ceramic implant, because I think that those are really important things as much as an amalgam filling is that we need to be very knowledgeable because most people are going in for either a root canal or they're going to tell you to get a root canal and then a crown or an implant. Um, do you or do you not? Do you get a, a root canal or do you have the tooth pulled and you get a, an implant? And if you do get an implant, do you get a ceramic or titanium? Um, what is your take on that? Okay, why are root canals so maligned? Um, there, there was a practitioner uh, many years ago uh, Weston Price, who was a dentist, Price Pottinger Nutrition Foundation, which I was a member of and lectured and all that stuff, and wrote some articles and things for them. And Weston Price was, he had an aunt who came in to see him and she said, I've got all these symptoms. I've got arthritis and my hands are all like this and I've got pain. and and she said it just kind of started it, i think if i'm remembering the story correctly i had this root canal done and blah 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 so he removed that root canal treated tooth on her and her symptoms abated and so he took a root canal treated tooth that he had, had removed various root canal treated teeth he he was the president of the american endodontic association can you imagine mm. can you imagine back in the day I mean, courageous. Courageous is 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 hard to describe. Yeah. It's it courage is such a such an admirable trait. Anyway, so he then took that uh, root canal treated tooth, and he he put it under the skin, just at the, the neck of a rabbit. He didn't sacrifice the rabbit. He just put it underneath there. And the rabbit got all, he's got photos of it, got all crippled with arthritis. Then he took, he took it out, arthritis went away, everything's going good. They're all concert pianists. And then he takes it and he puts it in that same tooth, puts it in another rabbit, same thing, same thing, does it three or four times, well, I don't know how many times, publishes this. Then he takes it, takes a root canal and he says, I'm going to sterilize this thing. So he puts it in an autoclave and he cooks it just like they cook all the instruments they do surgery on you with. He takes it out. He puts that back under the skin. Arthritis. Mm. Takes it out, puts another arthritis. So mm. it's impossible to disinfect. Key, key thing to know. Impossible to disinfect a root canal treated tooth, especially with the conventional old style way of doing it. If you, if you look at a tooth in three dimensions, if you look at my finger here, now you're looking at it, and if I turn it just a little bit, you'll see that it's got some thickness, 
it's got height, it's got width this way. Mm -hmm. So it's three dimensional. So take a tooth, let's just take a central incisor. It's got one root and it has, it's hollow, the root's hollow. It has a nerve chamber in it. When that nerve dies because it's fractured or because you got decay or whatever, somebody bumped it, then all the tissue that's inside there, the pulpal tissue dies. And then you have a hollow chamber inside there that is uh, occupied by billions of bacteria that are all pathogenic. Mm. And the end of the root is open and those bacteria can exit out the end of the root and they can migrate to the bone and dissolve the bone away and you get an abscess formation. If it's acute, you get a throbbing, swollen face. You pull the tooth and it's somewhat better. So you drill in there and you take all that stuff out and you clean it out and then you fill it with a material called gutta percha, which is a resinous tree extract that has barium and zinc in it. So it's radio opaque. So when you take an x-ray, you can see it in there. But the thing that it doesn't do is coming off in three dimensions, all different angles from that major uh, sort of mother uh, canal are little teeny, teeny microscopic canals called dentinal tubules that were occupied by an individual cell called an odontoblast. They die too because they have no more nourishment because the bacteria killed the main nerve channel and all the blood supply that went in. So they die. And, but that, that tubule coming off the side of the main canal, this isn't real scale, there's millions of them. That tubule then can be occupied by a microorganism. Well, you can't fill that because it's microscopic and it's at 90 degrees to the main canal anyway. So let's say a root canal and a molar tooth. If you took all of those dentinal tubules, how many bacteria could be in there? Mm -hmm. Give you an example. You take all those dentinal tubules and you line them up head to tail from a molar tooth. They'd stretch about three miles. <laughs> That's so you, a mind blower, isn't it? It's a mind blower. So, so what do you do? What? So here's what you do. Okay. There, there are products that were developed in Europe uh, that that are calcium oxide products called uh, 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 biocalyx or endocalyx. Same products, endocalyx in the U.S., biocalyx in Europe. And you mix that stuff up and you disinfect the canal and you put that down there and it will partially expand. These are the two factors that make this better, not the best, not solution. It expands microscopically partway into that dentinal tubule and it fills the canal. And it's very basic. Yeah. Basic things kill bugs. Acidic things, inflammation favors infection. So if you, if you fill that canal with that biocalyx and it expands partway into the canal, it will lessen the bacteremia that surrounds a root canal treated tooth in the jawbone. It doesn't eliminate it, it just reduces it. That's the best you can do. If a person has need of a root canal, they need to find somebody who will do that. IAOMT is the most likely source for that individual. Uh, and you can have it done if you choose to, that's your choice. You know, you're in charge. 
if your immune system is compromised or you've got a problem, got AIDS or you've got some other issues, then I would not recommend a root canal using any material. If you're going to have a root, uh, an implant done, you have three choices of materials for root, root implants. An implant is just a, a metal peg that goes in the jaw. It ha it's hollow. It represents it like a tooth root. And you put a post in it. It comes out through the gum tissue and you put a crown on the top. And the crown just looks like a normal tooth. But that post, that metal that's in the jaw. Now you have three different types of materials that are used. You have zirconia, which is actually a metal, but it's a crystal. You can get earrings and rings and all that stuff. Cubic zirconia, it's zirconia. It's mixed with a bunch of other things, small amounts to give it certain qualities. You can have, you can have titanium, that's pure titanium, again, mixed with a few other little elements to give it certain qualities. Or you can have a mixture of the two where you have about 15% titanium, about 15% zirconia, and you can use that. Now I've got two implants with that material. Uh, and the value of it is you don't have any migration, which has been proven of titanium to other areas in the body. Titanium is very biocompatible, but we really don't know long-term what it could do. Once you make a different crystalline structure, it doesn't migrate, it can't get into cells. And that's when adding the zirconia is valuable. Zirconia itself doesn't migrate. But sometimes you can't use zirconia because of whatever circumstance. But those are the materials and there are oral surgeons and periodontists which should place them. Uh, the determination would be made by that individual and what research you do on it. Um, if you're very concerned about compatibility, get what zirconia. About what about I? I Th that's that's a ceramic. Zirconia is ceramic. Yeah, right. That's that's great. Cool. That's what I was trying to tell my husband. Zir yeah. Zirconium. That's that's what these are, you guys. Uh, and soon to have a crown, man. I am going to hit you up. I know we don't. I just start, your wife just warned warned us that you have to be somewhere two thirty. I think having lunch here, and we're having fresh. Uh, uh, I mean, Alaska cut Alaska salmon and an avocado salad. We're having a complete oral fixation of of delicious. Uh, sorry, sorry. I have a, one question. Oh yeah, uh, somebody has a question. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Is this? Thanks. You're awesome. Um, that's happened a couple of times. I think that must be one of the non-biological dentists sent. Could be. Yeah, under undercover and uh <laughs> right so uh we all we all have to take that with a grain of salt that you know it is it is really interesting how how that comes back to the very beginning how interconnected everything all is and we mm. have to be careful what we say so you know we really don't have time for any any more questions um but what you can do is go to uh dr o dr mike's uh website um Olstead, I love that, like Homestead, Dr. Olstead, and and ask, um, you know, schedule time to talk to him if, if you want. 
and I'm sure if he'll ha- have the, I'll, I'll, I'll be inviting him back on, on the show. And I love Yvonne put in, I was going to mention this. We, one of our guests about three months ago, and you'll all want to check in on this replay was Dr. Sal, uh, with Sally Fallon. And she is the founder of the Weston Price Foundation. And she did a terrific interview. And thank you, Yvonne, for putting um, the westonprice.org website in the chat. If you haven't all grabbed that, grab that. Because that definitely um, follows up on a lot of what we did. did, uh, The history of where all this really, uh, what I want to say, progressive dentistry has come from. And that's what we're looking for, all of us, um, and, and is, is progressive solutions that are going to prevent systemic health and oral health is the number one place uh, where this all begins. And I just want to uh, say, Dr. O, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for, for not only um, sharing with us here, but all the thousands and thousands of students and patients that you have helped see the light and help spread the word for the last 50 years of how important this whole connection is from our oral health to systemic health. I wanna thank you again so much. Um, and I also wanna remind everybody that next week, same time, same place, Um, We are going to be having an incredible guest on who will be tying again everything, interconnecting everything to the systems and cycles of nature. Um, And you are going to really enjoy meeting Teresa Goebbels um, from the Evolutionary Business Council. Because like we talked about, businesses change the world faster than anything. And it's ethical businesses and business people with the moral courage who have the ability to change things the fastest. And I am so grateful for you bringing this all to light. And remember everybody out there, it is your business what you do with your life. So do your research, do your homework, and go out there and make the world a more positive place. And I wanna thank you all again. Big, big love and aloha.